Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. So good. You can sit down. Thank you, church. So good. Hi, church. You good? You look good. (laughs) Oh, man. Thank you, team. Thank you, band. Isn't it good to have Paul Rudd with long hair leading us in worship? (laughs) Thank you, Father. It's exciting. Elliot's got long hair. Brad chopped all his off. Mike shreds on that guitar. Emil's wearing a Gucci shirt. It's all happening. Praise God. Well, it's good to see you. Hope you're well. Um, (laughs) I've been on summer camp. (laughs) What's going to happen? Don't know. It's good to be. It's good to be at home, home base. Um, Haven't been with you for two weeks. I hope you noticed. Um, You're like, no, no, it's great. (laughs) It's it's really good. It was probably more anointing. Um, But no, I was I was on annual leave with my beautiful wife two weeks ago, and then last week uh, I got to tell you about it because. Shut up. Um, I was down in Adelaide uh, preaching uh, for Pastor Dave Hall, um, which, if you know me, that's, that's probably the, the biggest honor. Uh, apart from serving with my parents, that's probably the biggest honor ever. Um, so, you know, you know how it is, you know. Jesse led at a stadium of 50 million people, <clears throat> and I preached in a church in the southern suburbs of Adelaide. So, shut up. <laughs> so, uh, no, it was great, though. We had a move of God, and what's great uh, is it doesn't really matter where you're preaching. It doesn't really matter if you're nervous or if you feel inadequate. If you lean into the Holy Ghost, He, he just does what He does. Um, and that's a, that's a comforting thought. Um, I want to preach to you, funnily enough. Uh, I want to preach, uh, no, give me, give me my two minutes back. I was saying, hey, I've been away. So I want to speak to you on um, becoming hope. Becoming hope. Um, that's, uh, that's my message title tonight. And... Um, I'm excited because I think hope is, is a powerful, powerful commodity in the kingdom of God. And I think it's talked about, it is talked about, but I want to hopefully give you a different angle um, and, uh, and bless you with that. So, but just before we do that, I just want to tell you two testimonies from summer camp real quickly. Uh, the first one, uh, so either, uh, how good was summer camp, youth? So good. Uh, just an amazing time, and I had the honor of preaching the last session. Uh, and I'm going to tell you this again. I tell you this all the time. When I come and bring you a testimony, I, I, I need you to know my heart. You know, I've been here since KCC started, and, and uh, you know, Pastor Rob and Heather released me to go and bless other ch- hopefully bless other churches or antagonize other churches. We haven't figured it out. Um, but when I come back and give you testimony, please understand I'm really, what all I'm saying is how good is God? How good is God? You guys know me. I'm an idiot. I'm not big noting myself, but it is so beautiful that God just moves in power. So I just want to give you a, a framework for what, why I always am like, this happened and this happened and this happened because it's just I'm not bored of God moving in power. And so I had the honor of preaching the last night, and I was preaching a message uh, called And Suddenly, Malachi 3, and, and, and we were just having a, a great time. And halfway through the message, I told this this morning, if you're here this morning, Acts shocked and blessed, and I felt, I was in the middle of the message, and it was, a, it was a pretty silly message that turned into a move of God, and I told a funny story about Anna, and it was really funny. I'm going to preach it one Sunday night, if she says I can. No, there's no time. And so, I felt God, in the middle of this pretty jovial moment, that's a good use of the word jovial, 
Jovial. Jovial. I felt God in the middle of this silly story say, a kid here has lost a close family member to suicide in 2018. And I thought to myself, Jesus, this is not the moment. <laughs> like you have, you've, you're 20 minutes early. That sort of thing is when the keys get up. And so he said, no, no, I need you to bring it. And so I, I was pretty honest, wasn't I, team? I said, hey, team, like, hey, you know, youth camp, like 200-something kids. And I was like, i got a word to bring, and I, ha- I, have, to, I have to bring it. And so I, I gave this word about someone's lost someone to suicide, and this, this brother and sister came forward. And they told me that last August they, they lost their mum. And I was able to, and, you know, what do you do in those situations? Because, you know, you give the word, and you're like, okay, well, now what's happening now? But in Acts 1.8, it said, but you will receive power and the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And so I, I started praying for them and they fell over under the power of God, which is awesome. But sometimes it's like, well, I hadn't, hadn't finished. And so I waited until afterwards and they came and found me after his name, Tyler and Shani, brother and sister. They said that after their mum killed themselves, they, they both had depression and, and suicide and they felt, they felt pain and they felt hurt and, and they had a bit of a fascination with death. They were like watching like gory movies and stuff like that and, and when that, they felt the Holy Spirit come upon them, they just felt this stuff leave and as Tyler was telling me, he sort of like did like a shimmy. He was like, oh, man. And I just thought to myself, man, God loves talking to his kids. We should hear God at church. No matter our age, we're all his kids, whether you are two or whether you are 200. If you're 200, it's weird. Another thing was, I uh, got another word, I felt a stirring in my stomach. It's like Jacob says, you know, like, God, you're so good and you're so real. And if you weren't real, worship would be really strange. <laughs> just, a, just a bunch of people in the room. Thank you, Lord. But luckily he is real and he's up there. Anyway, or he's down here and he's in here. Summer camp. So felt this churning in my stomach when I was preaching, and I said, someone's feeling a churning in their stomach, I need you to come forward, and so this, uh, a bunch of people came forward, and I prayed for this girl, and I felt when I touched, I said, hey, I just feel that you are going to be one that is going to bring forth rivers of living water, and then I felt God say, tell her she's going to export living water, and I said, God, that's weird, and he said, say it, and I said, all right, and so I said, you're going to be one that would export rivers of living water, and she fell over under the power, which once again is awesome, but it's like, we can't talk now, all right, bye. Afterwards, she came up to me, and she said, Hey, thank you so much. She had tears in her eyes. And, and people say thank you so much. They're really saying thank you, Jesus. But, you know, you just, that'd be weird. Thank you so much. It wasn't me. It was the Lord. It's like, shut up, bro. So she said to me, thank you so much. That was amazing. What you don't realize is that, that me and my, she was in year 11 or 12, me and my friends, we've been putting a Christian magazine together. And we've been really hesitant to release it. Uh, and it's called Living Waters. And you said to me, that you would bring forth living waters, but I'm from a Christian home, and I know that preachers say that all the time. So I told God to tell him to tell you to say an export of living water. How good's God? He wants to talk to his kids, amen? He wants to talk to his kids. I love it. All right, becoming hope, i got to hurry up. So I believe we should be people of hope. Amen. I believe we should be full of hope. I believe we should leak hope. I believe we should be obnoxiously hopeful. We should be a church of hope, not a church of false optimism, not a church of unrealism, not a church of flaky nonsense, but a church of hope. What is hope? It's an assurance. We should be a church of assurance. Shivers, you all went quiet. We should be a church of assurance. We should be a place where we have an assurance in the goodness of our Father, the goodness of our God, that His arm is not too short, that He is the mountain mover. Let me read a scripture to you from Zechariah 9, 11 to 12. As for you, 
Because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. I'm telling you, there's glory on that. You prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I'm going to read that again because that sets a fire in my belly. As for you, because of my blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. And one more verse, Hebrews 6.19 in the NIV says this. We have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Someone say, twice as much. much. Someone say, anchor. Anchor. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you tonight for your glory. We thank you tonight that because of what you did on that cross and because of who you are, your character, your nature, your goodness, we can be consistently hopeful. Father, let us lead the way in hope. Let us lead the way in joy. Despite situation and circumstance, let us be a place of perpetual hope. In the name of Jesus. And everyone that believes it said, Amen. Amen. Please excuse my prepubescent voice. I was at summer camp. We can put the first, not the first point up, Ethan, just the first thing I sent through about the calling of God. About the calling of God. What if your calling in God was less about what you are doing and more about who you were becoming? I don't know why it's quotated, because I just wrote that. (laughs) Hashtag Bishop Frederick David Porter. My middle name's not David, but it's better. (laughs) What if your calling in God was less about what you are doing and more about who you were becoming? You see, we spend a lot of time worrying about what we are doing, what the title is, what the job is, what the salary is, what what, what people think of us. But as I'm I'm going into and I'm into 2019, God isn't talking to me about my title he's not talking to me about oh yeah you're doing this and you're over youth and young adults he's not talking to me about that he's not talking to me about my marketability as a preacher he's not talking to me about any of that he's talking to me about who I am becoming in Christ you see it's not bad to have thank you for that solo clap it's not bad to have it's not bad to have goals it's not bad to be like I'm gonna try and be the vice chairman of my office at the end of the year that's not a bad thing that's a good thing But an even better thing is, by the end of this year, God, would you grow me in patience? By the end of the year, would you grow me in kindness? What if our calling, our measuring stick for it, was who we were becoming? Because in who you're becoming, God will sort out what you are doing. And I'm being challenged, I'm being challenged in my walk and my life to care less about Instagram, to care less about uh, uh, the, the, the carnal things which aren't bad. Sometimes it, preachers find it fun to be like, and Netflix is bad. I like Netflix, leave me alone. But, but I'm being challenged to be focused and making sure that it's okay to have things, but making sure that things don't have me. And making sure that in my life and my walk, being, the way I operate as a husband is a far greater significance of where I preach. And because Jesse's already won, I can't compete anymore. I'm fine. Shut up. What if your calling in God was less about what you were doing and more about who you were becoming? Father, make us a people of obedience. God, let us care not 
for where it is and what it is and how much it is. But let us be so aware daily that our calling in you is surrender and obedience. That is who we are becoming. That is who we are becoming. Faith is an action. Hope is an assurance. Let's read a verse together that everyone knows and has read a lot. Proverbs 13, 12 in the NIV. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I'm not very good with plants. Doing better. I have a weird plant that Paris gave us. No one knows what it is, and it's alive and well, but it's stayed in the bathtub for like three weeks. That's why it's alive, because I can just walk past and be like, oh, it's a plant. Yeah. And I've got another little fern I won in a, in a Christmas game, and that's been watered um, pretty significantly well, I would say. What's that got to do with the message? Absolutely nothing. I just got distracted with the tree thing. <clears throat> I haven't had heaps of sleep. So hope deferred makes the heart sick, but longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, what the writer is saying here, see, I think I've, this has been mispreached a little bit. I think people have read this as, okay, when stuff goes wrong, that's bad for my heart. Which is, it, that's, a, that's a true thing, obviously. When stuff goes wrong, it sucks. But we've made this verse circumstantial instead of internal. The writer is actually saying, when I make the choice to abandon hope, it makes my heart sick. Not when bad things happen to me, it makes my heart sick. The writer is actually encouraging the people of God to stay hopeful in all seasons. See, so often it's been like, and it's not a bad thing, and it's, it's fine, and I'm not saying I'm the authority on this scripture, but I'm just saying it's like, when that thing happened to you and hope deferred make the heart sick, and you, you, know, you missed out on the prophetic offer, it's not meant to be something that's exterior to you. The writer's saying, hey, hope comes from you, and no one can take your hope. Your hope is your own. Come hell or high water, your hope is your own. And so to become hope, we have to realize that hope isn't a series of good or bad or okay circumstances or packed house or an empty house, good youth meeting, bad youth meeting, marriage is going great, marriage is struggling. Hope is intrinsically linked with our intimacy with God because I promise you, if you're spending every morning with Jesus, you will be innately hopeful, even if everything sucks. You'll be innately hopeful. So we want to become hope, we have to hang out with hope. To become hope, we have to hang out with hope. Cynicism is the enemy of hope. Doubt is the enemy of hope. Hope is less about what's happening to you and more about what's happening in you. We go on to that verse in, that I read before. We'll just scroll back up. Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Hope is an anchor. You know, this is a huge thought. Hope being an anchor for your soul. You know, it's one of those ones, it sounds real good, it looks good on decals and on stickers and at the front of journals, but hope is an anchor for your soul. What does an anchor do? It stops you from drifting. You know, we were at 80 Mile Beach in Perth with my granddad many, many years ago, and he took me out uh, to catch crabs. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I actually caught a shovel-nosed shark, which is a thing. Uh, that was exciting. But... One thing I noticed was we started in one spot and we didn't have the anchor down because we needed to drift and put the crab nets down. And after like 15 minutes, we were like 400 meters down the coastline. And I was like, Granddad, and he's like, homie, we've got an outboard motor. I mean, Cecil definitely didn't say homie, but he was like, we've got an outboard motor, it's fine. But that's so like Christian sometimes, is we're not doing anything wrong per se, 
but we don't have a great hope and we find we start drifting in our theology, in our viewpoints, in our, in our relationships. We start to drift, but it says that we have hope that's an anchor for our soul. I want to ask you, if you're struggling in your faith, if you're struggling in your relationships, if you're struggling in this thing we call life, how hopeful are you? Have you let the truth of Jesus permeate your soul and give you a due north? Because it's not always easy to be hopeful. Sometimes it's like this is the worst. But have you said, Jesus, you're my anchor. You're the one keeping me in place. Because if he's the one keeping you in place and keeping you on track, what other human beings do, what your bank account does, what other people say, might sting, but it won't move your location. Come on, is hope an anchor for your soul? Hope is an anchor. In Zechariah, that passage I read, I want to give you some context to it. So, this is happening a long time ago. He, Zechariah writes in the same time as Haggai, and he's writing to a post-exiled people. So they're back in their homeland. Everything's good. But they have just spent 100 years in slavery in Babylon. And so when he says, return to your fortress, I'm going to return it to you. The prophet here, this minor prophet, many years ago, he's not just wanting them to reclaim their towns and their castles and their forts. He's wanting them to reclaim their identity. I'm going to go through that again because you're all very quiet. He's writing to a people group approximated to be around 2.5 million people who have been in Babylon for 100 years. And he's saying, hey, him and Haggai sort of team up and they're like, hey, remember, remember the land you came from. Remember that you're not a slave anymore. You're not an orphan anymore. You see, you can take the slave out of the, the pit or the prison, but if they don't change in here, it'll just keep happening. You see, you can put an addicted person in a church, but it doesn't make them a Christian or free. Going to church doesn't make you saved and free. Going to Taco Bell doesn't make you a quesadilla. Though I wish it did, because I've been there a few times. Praise God. It's, it's dirt. It's so good. I love it. Fill him, Lord. Come on, we... we there needs to be a change of mindset. If you struggle with hope, if you struggle with cynicism, you don't need deliverance ministry. You might. You don't need like some big moment. You just need to remember who you are. You just need to remember whose you are. You just need to remember that he won. You just need to remember that he's going to continue to win. You just need to remember his nature. You just need to remember that he loves you. Hope is an anchor. Oh, man. And life pulls at that thing, man. Life pulls at it. Trust it, trust it, get it out of the sand and make you move. But we need to be a people of God. We need to be a church that goes, I'm not moving. And even though it feels like we're getting whipped by life and we're getting scratched and we're getting bruised, I'm not moving. And people are going to be like, you should move. You're getting hurt. It's like, no, man, like, this is where I'm meant to be. That's a bad decision financially. That doesn't make sense logically. Why are you doing that? Why are you breaking up with them? Why are you deleting their number? Why aren't you drinking anymore? Because i got a hope that anchors my soul, man. And if he tells me to move, I will. And if he tells me to stay, I will. We need people planted, yes, into churches, but more into Jesus. But if you're here, 
please stay. We, we love you. <laughs> Jesus. You know what helps to drop the anchor of hope? It's the promises of God. The promises of God. I know this is very practical tonight, but praise Jesus. The promises of God. You see, if you're on the boat of your life and the anchor of hope is there and you are speaking nonsense about yourself all the time, this is for some people in this room. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I've got a past. I'm addicted to this. That anchor isn't going to drop. But sometimes we just have to declare the promises of God. And when you feel yourself drifting, close the bedroom door, put some noise-canceling headphones in your ear, and walk up and down that sucker going, I am a child of God. Oh, no, but this, but this, but this, but this, but he didn't do this. He don't want to hear him. He don't know that. I am a child of God. And you'll find the enemy won't like that, man. He'll start trying to whisper to you, but every time he does, I am a child of God. How long you got, Satan? Because I can do this all day. I am a child of God, but you're not acting like one. Doesn't matter. I am a child of God, but you went through a divorce. But I am a child of God. And as you do that, you'll start to drop the anchor of hope in your life and it will start to take root. So when those things come again, it's like, oh, bro, I'm not moving because I am a child of God. I love what Zachariah says here. If a keyboardist could join me, that would be phenomenal. He says, you are prisoners of hope. This is the best thing ever. I didn't try and do that. This is the best thing ever. No, no, shut up. This is the best thing. By the way, if I ever say shut up, I'm talking to anyone in my youth ministry. If you're an adult, I'm not saying it to you. And I'm saying it to some of the young adults and not others. I'm saying it to the ones that aren't precious. So... This is the best thing ever. I am, I am subject to the tyranny and the, the, the being enclosed in hope. <laughs> I love this so much. This is the best thing ever. I'm a prisoner to a great hope. Corinthians says we have a hope that excites us. I am a prisoner to that hope that is an anchor to my soul. We've got so many people that are prisoners to everything else. They're a prisoner to their past. They're a prisoner to hurt. They're a prisoner to what went wrong. They're a prisoner to the words of of bullies when they were young. They're a prisoner to abuse. They're a prisoner to addiction. But God is looking down and saying, hey, my people, just real quick, you're prisoners of hope. You're prisoners of hope. I want to start declaring that over myself. I want to declare that over my marriage. I want to declare that over this church, that we are prisoners of hope. That when everything sucks, oh man, I'm a, I'm a prisoner of hope. I'm a prisoner. I'm enslaved to a great assurance. <laughs> Let's be a church of hope. Maybe hope isn't just a good idea. And a fun thing that your grandma puts on the back of the toilet calendar. Maybe hope is the mandate of a believer. 
Maybe it's got nothing to do with personality types. Maybe it's got nothing to do with circumstance. Maybe tonight there's a call from heaven for you to be relentlessly hopeful. Not because of your circumstance, not because of your church, not because of your theology, but because of your God. Oh man, I'm a prisoner to hope. I pray KCC would be cell block 101, full of faith, full of hope, full of the Holy Ghost. Because the idea of this passage that Zachariah is saying is he's saying you don't have another option. But he's also being very clever, this prophet. He's saying, hey, that word that used to mean death and pain and abuse to you and your people, now it means hope. And now you have this promise from God that I'll restore twice the amount that was ever taken from you. I want to skip ahead, but I, but I won't. Three points as we finish. Remember the call of God, less about what we're doing and more about who we're becoming. Point number one, if we could put it up. Expectation often dictates your destination. I'm going to be very deep for a moment. If you think something's going to suck, it probably will. It probably will. If you have belief and faith for God's best, I'm not saying nothing will ever go wrong, but stuff will be a lot easier. You see, if Bianca goes into next year going, I'm going to be a terrible teacher, she will be a terrible teacher. But if she goes in saying, I've got something to give these kids, and I've got something in my spirit for them that's going to come out not through laying on of hands, but through the education system and through wisdom and through time and through kindness, she'll kill it. If we think our kids are going to suck and be stupid and not do well, they probably will. But if we speak life, Planet Shakers wrote a song called We Speak Life. We speak life. In the name of Jesus, there is healing. Be brave with me and expect the best. Expect that that money for those Miserable flights is going to come through in the next couple of days. Where's it coming from? I don't know. Just have faith. It's a great assurance. Believe with me that mums and dads from all over this region will be so blessed that they can come and bring their kids to be taught by an on-fire kids team and then have a free hot dog afterwards. Believe with me that we are rapidly going to start having auditorium issues because of the people that are joining. But believe with me that your bank account would grow so that you could be more generous in your life. Believe with me that your marriage will continue to get deeper and more intimate and communication would flow. Believe with me for your uncle, your cousin, your auntie, your brother, your sister that's away from God. Believe that they will have a supernatural divine encounter. He's done it before. He can do it again. Let's start believing. Let's start believing because our expectation will dictate the destination. Does your giving with your finance reflect that you're a hopeful person? Does your marriage reflect that you're a hopeful person? Does your work ethic reflect that you're full of hope? This kid at camp came up to me and said something. He went up to me and he said, I'm not big up in myself, I'm, I'm going somewhere. He said, oh, it's just amazing that you get to speak all over Australia. 
I was like, thanks, bro. Like, sort of, yeah, I guess. Yep. He's like, oh, did you go to Asia? You know, he's just like, little me and Matt Newton. Like, that was just this kid. He's just like, I'm ready for revival in this city. Can I have a lift home? Like, it's... <laughs> he's ready. And he said, the thing I love as well is that it just happened. And of course, I said, bro, God's so good. But I thought about it on the way home when me and Craig were driving back to the church and I thought something, no, no, it didn't just happen. It all started in 1994 when a couple made a choice to sacrifice maybe some of their dignity or hopes or maybe uh, popular opinion decided to adopt. Then in 1996 when I got prophetic words and my mum relentlessly wrote them down, recorded them on tape recorders and, and tattooed them all over her back and just kept every prophetic word from all time. Didn't just happen. I remember I put culture shifters. That was my, one of my, my second youth group after being in Craig's. I subjected them to some garbage messages. In 2010, I legitimately stole a message from Jürgen Mathesius. Like, not like, oh, that's a cool concept. I was like, uh-huh, 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 on reconciliation and friendships. I remember my friend Sam Major was like, bro, that was so good. Felt the touch of God on the inside. I was like, ah. Yeah, thanks, bro. Yeah, you were there. Thank you, Jürgen. <laughs> you know, this year, I'll be in Singapore, uh, in Hong Kong, uh, speaking to thousands of people. Uh, I just spoke at probably one of my biggest heroes' churches. It's not really to do with me. It's more about my parents and my mentors. But one thing I will credit myself with is that I always had an expectation. Asked mum and dad from 13, 14, I was like, I'm going to be like Greg Watts. I'm going to preach. I always had an expectation. Not for fame, not for influence. I just always knew what I wanted to do. You know, mum and dad had it prophesied over them that they'd speak all over the world. I don't know if it's happened in the exact way they thought it would, but speaking in Portland last year and Miseram on missions trips and that's just going to grow and expand. It's not, it doesn't just happen. God's good, but He wants you to partner with Him in hope. He wants you to partner with Him in expectation. Oh, it's crazy. Casey's here just have so many writers and the second album with a church your size and the influence you have and Jesse's like besties with Darlene. It just got so good, it just happened. Kinda. I was there when people were saying she shouldn't be doing the job and they tried to take it off her. I was there when there wasn't a worship team. What's your expectation? Oh, this is great renovations. Oh, it's January services are packed out. This is awesome. It just happened. No, we got lead pastors that had an expectation and a hope. Had a board that backed it. What's your hope, man? What's your expectation? Let that guide you. Let that push you forward. No matter how big it is, no matter how crazy it is, what's your hope? I've got to hurry up. Number two, becoming hope stops you becoming lost. You see, having a hope stops you settling for less. The danger of a hedonistic society is that we won't lose our calling to sin, but we'll leave our calling on the bench. See, in a society that's Dictated to by, have a good time. Do things that make you happy. 
I'm not worried, as worried for a generation that's going to be on drugs and all that, even though that's a thing. I'm worried about a generation that taps out their calling, leaves it on the bench and goes and does what's easy and what's comfortable. But hope stops you from becoming lost. I tossed up whether to say this, but, but I will. In 2016, I had a, a pretty massive job offer in terms of my profile would have gone up. Great money. Like, just for a moment. <laughs> like, good coin. Shivers, all right, cool. <laughs> I, I was pumped. But it was really easy to say no. Because it wasn't Robin Heather and it wasn't KCC. You see, when you know what you're saying yes to, it's easy to say no to the other stuff. Because if you don't have that anchor of hope holding you in place, you'll drift with the winds. And it's become very spiritual just to drift and to go over and to be nomadic. But in the Word of God, it says, be trees planted by rivers of living water. It's easy to say no to the wrong thing when you're saying yes to the right thing. Some of you are not expectant, you're drifting. You see, a pregnant woman, I've never been pregnant. I haven't, it's true. But a pregnant woman, because of the expectation of what's ahead, she eliminates some things from her life. Stop drinking and smoking if that's what they were doing. Probably would stop fighting in the MMA if they were doing that. It's just wise. Because of what is to come, the great hope that's within her, she lays down some things now. You see, some of you are pregnant with purpose, but you don't want to lay down things that are going to kill your baby. God's encouraging you tonight, lay those things down. Do you turn to alcohol a little bit as a crutch? Get rid of it. Are you going on those websites? Get rid of it. Not because of guilt and shame. and Get rid of it for the joy set before you. This is the beauty of the cross. He doesn't want you to stop things because he's mad. He wants you to stop things because he's got life and life to the full for you. What's that thing on the inside of you, man? What's that hope that you're pregnant with? Make sacrifices to make sure that thing gets birthed in health. Amen? Amen. Last point. As we finish, band, you can come join me. Is hope brings you healing. Hope brings you healing. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. You see, hope is scary because the stakes just got higher. Sometimes depression is easier than hope because sitting in a dark room with no light gives you no hope for what's ahead and you can just stay in that place. But if you see a sliver of light, man, if you have a touch of God, all of a sudden where you were living and what you were doing and how you were thinking is no longer good enough. And Romans 12, 2 says, do, no, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And all of a sudden, there is maybe a hope, or maybe he could use me. See, Zechariah is saying this to the people. He's saying, hey, God's going to restore it. God loves you, Israel. Oh, do you know what the name Zechariah means? The Lord remembers. Oh, The Lord remembers. You see, thousands of years ago, Zechariah was telling a people group, hey, 
God remembers, but now he's speaking to us as a church. He's speaking to you right now in your seat. And he's saying, hey, friend, I remember. And I will return it unto you. Twice as much. Some of you don't want to hope again. Because you're scared of the pain it'll bring. But this relationship with Jesus is predicated on trust. That he's a gentleman. That he's a good, good father. Why don't we stand tonight? The Lord remembers the words over you. The Lord remembers the pain you've been through. The Lord remembers the things that we lost in the fire. But the promise is He will redeem all that was taken. Can I quote a great philosopher to you? Something that he said, they said, rings true tonight in your life and in your spirit. Because perfect love drives out fear. And love forgets all the years that was stolen and were broken. He's restoring them all. Who wrote that? You see, I don't know what's going to happen to Tyler and Shana because even though God is good, their mum's gone. But what I do know is that he's restoring everything the enemy would try and take in your life, in your marriage. He's restoring it all. Is, is Nikki Labutier here? I don't think she is. She's not. Pray for her soul. She's not at two services on a Sunday. It's dangerous ground, church. It's dangerous ground. I'm just kidding. We love Nikki. She's a woman of God. Where is Christina Phillips here? Going through my mental list. Yeah, come out here, darling. So good. So good. Cool shoes. They look like a Lego, but on your feet. <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven. I thank you, God, that everything, everything the enemy wanted for evil, you would use for good in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for a touch of the anointing right now. Fill her in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Fill her, fill her, fill her. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you that perfect love casts out fear. And your love, your perfect love, restores all the years. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Maybe you could just stand with her, Kimmy, and just pray. Thank you, God. I'll be honest, I want to pray for every single person because I feel the anointing of God. We don't have time. I'm six minutes over. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song. I don't know what we're going to sing. Jazz is going to lead us. It's going to be awesome. It's about hope. If you want to touch a heaven, if you've let go of some things in your life, if you feel like you've been in Babylon for 100 years and you've lost the promises and your mindset needs to be shifted, I want you to come to the front as we sing. So we sing this song. We need to be a people of hope. We need to be a church of hope. We need to be a group of people that are like, God, even though things are going wrong, even though things suck right now, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Come on, as we sing, I want you to come. If you want prayer, I want you to come. Even now, even now, even now. Thank you, Jesus.